0: This is episode 318, a full preview of the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend with race director Eli Ash. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the goal of this show, StrengthRunning.com, and our YouTube channel is to help you better understand the process of improvement. Because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. If you're new here, welcome. I'm the head coach of strength running, formerly a 239 marathoner and a monthly columnist for Trailrunner Magazine. On this podcast, I share my insights on the sport and speak with the world's smartest subject matter experts to help you improve. I'm happy to connect anytime, so feel free to email me or you can send me a message on Instagram or YouTube. Now I want to thank our partners who support the show. They're offering you some great discounts, which I hope you'll take advantage of. And both of these companies offer products that I use on a daily basis. First is our newest sponsor, Lagoon. They make the most comfortable pillow I have ever tried. And since I know that sleep is the number one recovery tool at my disposal, I'm taking it a lot more seriously. I took their sleep quiz. It's only two minutes and you can take yours at lagoonsleep.com dot com slash strength running. And I was paired with their Fox pillow, and I'm absolutely loving it. Last week, I actually laid down started going to sleep on my other non lagoon pillow. And I was just tossing and turning and I quickly realized that, oh, I'm not actually using my lagoon Fox pillow. It makes a big difference since you can add or remove fill to get your alignment right it's a great way to optimize the most important way you can become a better runner that isn't your training sleep take your rest and recovery to the next level with lagoon and get 15% off your purchase with code strengthrunning at lagoonsleep.com/strengthrunning our next partner is drink element a delicious sugar-free high sodium electrolyte mix and by the way, I'm actually running a big giveaway this month on my Instagram page, Jason One. You're gonna get a free four-month supply of Element, that's 120 servings, plus a Nike hat and Element's salty AF water bottle. Check out my pinned Instagram post to enter. And I love this stuff because it's perfect for endurance runners who are sweating a lot, drinking a lot of water, and because of that, can be susceptible to imbalances. My favorite flavor right now is citrus salt, but watermelon is also absolutely delicious. And you didn't hear it from me, but these can also be used to make a very tasty sugar-free margarita or the next morning to help you feel better if you've had one too many of those margaritas. Electrolytes play a key role in helping you avoid dehydration, dizziness, cramps, and tiredness, especially after long runs or workouts. An element is used by the military law enforcement professional sports teams, and they're the official hydration partner of Team USA Weightlifting. Get your free sample pack with any purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and they'll let you try every flavor. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning for your free sample pack. And don't miss the giveaway on my Instagram page. All right, my guest today is the race director for the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, Eli Ash. Eli was formerly the director of race operations and race director for the California International Marathon. Prior to that, he served as logistics and operations manager for the Austin Marathon and Half Marathon. He also holds an MBA in sports business from San Diego State University and a BA in English from Whitman College, where he was captain of the cross-country team. You can also hear Eli and I discuss what it takes to put on a major marathon in episode 171 of the podcast. In this episode, we're doing a deep dive on the Twin Cities Marathon weekend and the course. You're going to better understand the race's history, course profile, aid stations, potential pace strategies that lend themselves well to this specific course, pace group details, and a lot more. If you're training for the Twin Cities Marathon, then best of luck. If not, I hope this episode inspires you to think very strategically about choosing a marathon course for your next PR attempt. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Eli Ash. I'm so excited to have you back on for round two. I know that our first conversation was more about the intricacies of being a race director, and now I just wanted to do a deep dive on the Twin Cities Marathon course in the day what people should expect. So I think this is going to be really helpful. Um, Eli, my understanding is that you came from CIM. So how long have you now been at Twin Cities?
1: Uh, I've been at Twin Cities in Motion since 2020. Uh, When I moved here, I moved here to put on uh, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend. And of course, that year uh, was a disappointment in that we went virtual. Uh, So I've now been here. This will be my third in-person edition of Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend. And uh, we think it'll be the best one yet.
0: Yeah, it's I'm excited. Now, I want to be up front. I've never run the marathon there. Uh, I've only actually done four marathons in my day. But what do you think makes this race so unique? What makes it special?
1: I mean, I think that it is. There's this caliber of races that have major city marathon hoopla, uh, but a little bit less of the challenges of world marathon major logistics. Those are great events. They're once in a lifetime. Uh, but they're not necessarily set up for you to run your best. And they're certainly at a scale where they're not dealing with you as a person. Uh, they're, you know, dealing with you as one of 50,000, 30,000 folks. Uh, Metronic Twin Cities Marathon, um, is in our wonderful cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, where it's a city that is taken over by runners for that weekend. Uh, you can just feel the event in the air. And then on event day, uh, you know, we're, um, midwest nice is really a thing and midwest supportive is something i would say as well we estimate three hundred thousand spectators on the course wow um, and that's lawn parties uh that's cheer zones uh that's folks uh giving stuff out to runners along the way making sure that they're supported from the start to the finish and that's something that in a lot of mid-major marathons um there are maybe areas of support but we really feel that from our uh logistics to our course cheering, to our, uh, support along the course in the form of fluid aid stations and nutrition, uh, that there's no better supported, uh, mid-major marathon in the U S uh, than what we provide for runners.
0: You know, I have a soft spot for marathons like this because, you know, I've run some of the biggest like New York city, and I've also run these tiny little marathons. You know, I run the Potomac river run marathon in Washington, DC that probably no one's ever heard of. But some of these mid-level marathons, I think, are just fantastic because you get almost all of the amenities and, you know, professionalism of one of these world marathon majors. But you also then just have this, like, small-town feel to it, and it doesn't feel like you are – undergoing such a stressful experience. And, and I think it kind of puts you in the right frame of mind to have the best race possible. Plus the fact that, you know, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you guys probably have really great weather every year, don't you?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we're set at a time of year. One of the things that we hang our hat on is we're America's most beautiful urban marathon. Uh, the leaves are starting to change. We run along the famous chain of lakes um, in the Twin Cities, which uh, are are beautiful there. Uh, along a series of lakes and parkways, and then along the Mississippi River. So ultimately, uh, there's that support, but there's also that, you know, inspirational beauty uh, along the event. It's a great time uh, to be in the Twin Cities in Minnesota in the early fall Um, is certainly something that is why we are when we are.
0: Yeah, let's walk us through the first, you know, morning of the race. You know, what is the day like? What's the energy like? What's the best way of getting to the starting area? What should we expect that morning?
1: Sure. Jason, uh, can I ask you a question as a marathoner? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, We're going to talk about this for you, Jason, if you were to run the Twin Cities, Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, as I'm sure you will in one of these future years standing invitation. Um, Are you someone who doesn't mind getting up really early or are you someone who prefers smoother post event logistics?
0: Uh, That is a great question. I would say... If I had to choose, I would prefer not to get up at two or three in the morning because that kind of throws my whole day off. Gotcha.
1: And so for our marathon, there wouldn't be any need to get up at two or three a.m., but we are point to point starting in downtown Minneapolis and finishing at the state capitol in St. Paul. So you're someone though, who I would recommend. Why don't you stay at a Minneapolis hotel and take advantage of our post-event busing? And with that post-event busing, you'd be able to get back to downtown Minneapolis and walk to your hotel from there. So, Jason, you're going to wake up. Uh, our marathon starts at 8 a.m. Uh You might be far enough away that you're taking a lift or an Uber. Uh, you might be close enough that you are walking. Uh, but our recommendation would be, is, since you're going to be in Corral One, I think you're a 240-something guy, Jason? Back in the day, I was a
0: 239
1: guy. Oh, you a know, 230-something guy. Short sure change you a minute. Um <laughs> So uh, you're going to be in Corral One, which means you're going to be starting uh, right behind our pros at 8 a.m. We'd say to get there on event morning uh, with our 8 a.m. start. Getting there 7 a.m. Uh, whether it's a walk, whether it's a Lyft or an Uber, it's not a, a huge amount of mayhem for the marathon start. But one of the things that's unique about our event is we also have uh, the Medtronic TC 10 Mile starting at 7 a.m. So if you do want to see the start of that event um, or experience that energy in the morning, getting there a little before 7 a.m. means we will have uh, we have 12,000 registrants for the TC 10 Mile. Uh, we will have all of them going off at seven and clearing the start line by 7:30. Uh, if you don't care about seeing that, we still recommend getting there an hour early at 7 a.m. Again, you can lift to within two blocks of the marathon start line or depending on where your hotel is, you can walk down there as well. We have a big park in the middle between the 10 mile and marathon um, start lines where we have uh, several hundred portalettes, the most important thing on event morning for runners. Um, you would uh, have time to utilize that and then drop off your gear check bag as well. Beyond that is then loading into your corrals and getting ready to go on our event.
0: So it sounds like the morning of and, and the whole starting line scene it not as crazy as it could be. Because I, I specifically remember both the Boston Marathon and the New York City Marathon, where the whole morning was, was an adventure in and of itself. Just getting to the Athletes Village or getting over to Staten Island for the New York City Marathon. And, you know, you are sort of being moved from place to place and corral to corral like livestock. And, and that to me was a very stressful pre-race experience where I've run smaller marathons where like you're explaining, you can just kind of take an Uber to the starting line area and that's it. It's so simple. You don't have to go through all of this crazy logistical, uh, this logistical process to get to the starting line area. So, I, I as a, as a man uh, who values a little bit of convenience and simplicity, I love that. And I think I'm just very grateful that it's uh, a pretty clean process in the morning.
1: We hope it is. I mean, we want to set runners up to be able to run their best. And look, running a marathon is stressful. Like it's something that's taxing physically, emotionally, mentally. And our goal is that, yeah, we provide that big experience, but a little bit more of the ease, some of that Midwest nice that we are able to provide for folks. So yeah, once you get there, it's, you know, get in line for the Porto, drop off your gear check and go.
0: I love it. All right. So let's talk about the course itself. Uh, Has the course changed at all in recent years? I know a lot of courses are undergoing some slight changes or variations to it. uh, But is this the course that we have come to know and love over the last couple years?
1: Yeah, no, it's the same course to the inch as last year when we recertified. Uh, there are a couple minor variations on a theme where there's a lagoon you go around versus across along one of the chain of lakes, uh, depending on whether there's some start construction or anything. But yeah, no, this year, same to the inch for both the marathon and 10 mile as last year's. And we're super proud of our course. Again, America's most beautiful urban marathon, that chain of lake chain of lakes, the changing fall leaves running along the Mississippi River Boulevard, and then Summit Ave in St. Paul is this uh famous run of stately mansions of some of the early founders of our state, and then a great downhill finish uh, with the state
0: capitol there. So our course is something that um, we are really proud of. It sounds really beautiful. Would you describe the course as a challenging course? Can you talk a little bit about the elevation changes? And then maybe two, uh, is it a course that has like a ton of turns, you know, 90 degree turns, 180 degree turns. I know that when I was Uh, back when I was racing and and really anal about my approach to courses. This is something that I would care about.
1: Yeah, now uh, we describe our course as fair and can be fast. Um, There is a challenging hill for about three miles where you gain 150 to 200 uh, feet right at a tough part of the course, mile uh, about 21 to 23. But we'll circle back on that in a second. Uh, there are a lot of long straightaways. Some of the parkways that we run on and around the, uh, lakes are sweeping curves, not a whole lot of nineties. And then we will say once we get you onto Summit Ave in St. Paul, uh, your final just under five miles are a straight shot to the finish. Uh, so not a single turn to be found there. Um, our course, again, fair can be fast. Uh, the American, uh, road racing statisticians association, super nerdy group, um, has something called, uh, race course, race time bias. And it's like, hey, compared to a perfectly flat course, how much faster or slower is this? And like came from CIM, as you alluded to, and famous there for a fast course. Well, CIM's race time bias is actually, I think, minus nine seconds. It has some uphill and downhill. It's net downhill, about 600 feet of uh, uphill, depending on whose Garmin you believe, and about a 1,000 feet of downhill for a net 400. Um, at Twin Cities in Motion, uh, we are net flat uh, and have that same climb as CIM, actually, depending on whose Garmin you believe, about 50 to 100 feet less as well. So our race time bias is plus 30 seconds. So some people will go, ah, oh, CIM, famously fast, or Chicago, famously flat and fast. Well, CIM, nine seconds faster, Chicago, basically a pancake, and then uh, Twin Cities Marathon. Uh, about 30 seconds slower than a perfectly flat course. So my belief is, look, if you're trying to eke out every last second, you know, you're trying to run that exact run in the red line PR, you know, whether it's 218, 237, whether it's a BQ, whether it's a PR, whatever it might be. uh, If you need every last second, there might be a couple races that are more fair for you. But for us, we're fair. We're giving you a shot as long as you run smart. And part of running smart is that hill. Um, It's in a tough spot. We do what we can to support you on the way to that hill. Uh, At the 30K mark of our event, uh, there's what's called the Cheer Channel presented by Medtronic, our title sponsor. Uh, You can have your loved ones. We send out an email in advance. Hey, do you want to pick me up at the right spot of the race? Uh, We have this Cheer Channel there where it hits the 30K timing mat, picks you up, Jason, and here are your loved ones giving you a cheer, a message that they've pre-recorded for you. Um, We did have some people tell us post-race survey when we initiated that that it was great. Um, but it was a little tough to be crying at 30K of a marathon. That's the kind of inspiration and support we give you there. Then right at the base of the hill this year, we have what we're calling the Mission Mile. Uh, the Mission Mile is where all of our uh, almost 50 charity organizations have their official cheer zones. They, of course, have runners that are running for them, where, yeah, those runners maybe get a little bit of extra, but that's a huge motivated group that's given everyone the pick me up as you head into that hill, uh, again, 21 to 23. Tough spot of a marathon that 40 seconds of difference uh, between CIM, I think a lot of it does come in those three miles. You should probably expect your pace if you maintain your effort to dip somewhere between five and 15 seconds per mile. And the question is, how do you wanna run that, right? You might be someone who goes, hey, I'm gonna back off a little bit uh, on that uphill and then utilize what is ultimately most of that 150 to 200 feet you actually get back between there and the finish from the finish. Or you might be someone who goes, hey, what I want to do is not quite be spent. You know, still got two and a half miles to go at the top of that hill, uh, but really wants to work it up that hill and then use that downhill to carry me to the finish. That depends on your race plan and what kind of runner you are. Before that, uh, a lot of sweeping turns along the lakes. Um, we've got a great pace team uh, from three hours all the way back to six hours for those folks trying to stay within the course cutoff as well. They're a great team to run with and then great support along the course uh noon lemon lime endurance uh some gels uh just before that cheer your channel between mile 17 and 18 as well uh, but our goal is that we get you to that tough spot uh, as motivated and supported as we can for uh, you to have the day you want to have out there something i always say as well i've done a little bit of coaching and one you're gonna have the day you want like Runners who are running this year, runners who are running the Twin Cities Marathon, you've prepared, you've done the work. Uh, the race is a celebration of all that work. So you're going to have the day you want. But let's say you get to that hill, or halfway up that hill, or the top of that hill, and you're looking at your splits, you're not where they want to be, and that downhill isn't getting you where you want to be as well. Summit Ave is the best supported stretch of any mid-major marathon in America for five miles. Uh, those house parties turn out, we have over 50 course cheer zones, many of which are along Summit Avenue. And it's an opportunity to turn the race into your own personal parade. High five a kid. Take something someone's offering from the side. Really enjoy that experience because these people are all out here cheering for you. And hey, I look at uh, Minnesota Distance Elite Pro Dakota Lindworm two years ago when she won the grandma's marathon and was having the day that she wanted to have. She was caught on camera doing the Macarena in the middle of the race. So even if you are having that day you want, you can still turn it into your personal parade. 300,000 people are out there cheering you on to the finish.
0: I love that. It sounds like it's it's just a party uh, as soon as you get to the top of that hill, which is a good thing because that hill certainly comes at maybe the cruelest part of the race. Who, who is creating these races when they're putting these monster hills at mile 20, 21, 22 of a marathon? It's almost like the the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon course creator and the Boston Marathon course creator got together. And they're saying to themselves, how can we make this as challenging as possible for these runners? We don't want them to feel good. <laughs> I can tell you, um, our founding RD, Jack Moran, who
1: we're doing a piece on this year. And we have a really great feature of our event, which is for those who are cheering folks on or those who want to relive the race day afterwards, we have great partnership with our local NBC affiliate, Care 11. And we stream the event live on Care 11 Plus. That's from the start of the 10 mile to the final finisher of the marathon. So anyone who wants to relive it Uh, can see it. And later on in the day in the broadcast, uh, we got a nice piece that we're running on our founding RD, Jack Moran. But a little bit of history. Uh, there was a brief period of time where both Minneapolis and St. Paul each had their own marathon, uh, back in the very early eighties. And the cities kind of realized we're the twin cities. Uh, let's not have two diminished marathons. Let's have one major marathon. And so in order to tie those events together, uh, the cities are famously divided by the Mississippi River. And there are only a couple of bridges across, and this is definitely a spot where we can get you safely across. Uh, and yeah, in order to get there and run along some, it does mean uh, there's a little bit of a climb at that tough spot. So ultimately way back in the day, Jack Moran, our founding RD, when he brought the two cities together, uh, decided that this was something that was worth it to have that major city marathon experience rather than two diminished marathons. And ultimately, like we have seen, uh, runners appreciate the accomplishment, even if there's a uh, a little bit of at the time, uh, maybe some pain and suffering uh, in getting up that hill.
0: Well, if there's any group of people who will embrace a little bit of pain and suffering, it's certainly marathoners. And I do think that probably contributes to just it being a beautiful course going through all the lakes and, and the bridge over the river and and seeing uh, both cities like that. I just think that's really stunning. Now, because there's this fairly massive hill that it's somewhat long, roughly miles 20 to 23 or so. Do you think this course is one that just makes it even more important not to go out fast? Um, you know, in other words, how do you think about a, a pacing strategy for the twin cities marathon? Is it, is it different than other marathons because of the course? How do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I don't ever believe in banking time. Uh, but what I will say is that it shouldn't actually be framed as time, it should be framed as effort, right? Um, you know that hill is going to require the same amount of effort to go a little bit slower, and that downhill doesn't quite give it all back to you. So ultimately, if you have uh, that pace goal, uh, it might be looking at it and thinking of, well, if I am going to be five to 15 seconds slower a mile for about two and a half to three miles, not uh, banking effort going out harder than it will be, but yes, possibly getting to the bottom of that hill 30 seconds a mile uh, ahead of pace might not be a bad spot to be. They say the marathon starts at mile 20, and that hill is placed right there where it's like, yeah, you've got to get there feeling good, whether your goal is to get to the, get to the top and then use the downhill to finish hard or get to the top and use the downhill just to carry you to the line. You got to get to the bottom of that hill feeling good. I will say um, the course, small rollers along the way there, but again, fair for the bulk of the route to that point. There's one hill around mile two, uh, that's just actually a really nice spot where it's a little bit of a check yourself before you wreck yourself moment. Uh, if you're hitting mile one and mile two, and you're like, oh man, I'm I'm way ahead of pace. That hill should be a moment to kind of rein yourself in a little bit. And I will say too, earlier on in this race, our pace team is great. Uh, we're over 6,000 runners ultimately on event day in the marathon. So you're going to have a crowd. So it's kind of dial yourself in with that pace group with the right thing. I would say shut off your brain, but it might also be a little bit of try and enjoy it. Um, it's a beautiful morning along the Chain of Lakes in Minneapolis, and then a beautiful morning along that parkway that we carry you through to the Mississippi River. Uh, ultimately, I do think it's a little bit of a, you know, make sure you've checked yourself, get to mile one or mile two, and think about it at mile two of a marathon. With 24 miles uh, to go, if you are 50 seconds behind pace, you gotta make up two seconds a mile the rest of the way. So check in, maybe with the pace group that's five or 10 minutes behind yours, <laughs> just to really check yourself. Uh, and again, like set it and forget it. Uh, ultimately, I will say you get along the Mississippi River uh, for us after you've gone around that chain of lakes and along the parkway. They are just at mile 15. And there can be a little bit of a quiet stretch right there as well before you get to that gel, uh, before you get to that cheer channel. And that's a really good po- point where the halfway point, the halfway point's a blast, by the way. Uh We have a fluid station at halfway. It's sponsored by PNC Bank, Uh, you know, something that can prevent cramping and ultras. Uh, is Pickle Juice. Uh, they have a dancing pickle, and in addition to our noon and water, do offer pickle juice there at halfway, uh, I believe, and nothing new on race day. So if you haven't trained with pickle juice, maybe don't take it, but enjoy the dancing pickle uh, along the beautiful lakes as well. But I would really say halfway of this race is ultimately more like mile 15, where you get to along the Mississippi River, and that's where you should really be checking and doing your self-assessment mentally preparing for that hill that's going to be coming downrange in a little bit and then know your racing starts about a mile after you cross the bridge, uh, over the Mississippi river, uh, and, uh, are going to get there to mile 20 to 21. By the way, um, Jason, you've got a lot of listeners and I'm sure many of them are creative. Something we've been talking about internally is you and I just keep talking about the big hill. That's not a great name. Um, if anyone has any ideas for naming that hill, um, I feel like uh, Kate Bush has had a renaissance recently. So there's some running up that hill jokes to be made there. I'm sure there are people who want to call it the monster, or whatever else, you know, we are looking to name that hill in future years. And if any of your listeners have any ideas, uh, they should go ahead and e- I'm going to give my email address on your podcast, Jason, they should email it directly to me at Eli a TCM events.org. Uh, we want to hear what we should name that hill, especially from folks who have either experienced it in past years, or maybe right after this year's events, uh, when, folks have thoughts. It will have to be appropriate. This is something we're looking to print on signage, uh, put on maps, things like that. Uh, but again, it's really being able to at about halfway, which at this race I would say is when you get to the Mississippi River just after mile 15, being able to self, self-assess, self get ready to get that support, that gel, those cheer zones, and then ultimately prepare yourself for the hill to be named uh, for about three miles in the low 20s.
0: Well, thanks for, for letting our audience contribute to name ideas for The Hill. That's super fun. So it's Eli A at TCMEvents.com. Is dot right?
1: We are a nonprofit 501c3. We are a .org.
0: .org. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're a brave man because we usually, when you let the public name things, you get names like Bodie McBoatface or other hilarious things like that. So <laughs> let's hope the the name of The Hill is good. Um, so the way that I'm understanding the course is basically, you know, you've got this little hill at mile two that can serve as a reality check on your effort, your pace at that moment. And then you have these slight rollers until about mile 20. So basically for most of the race, it's relatively flat. You've got these little rollers, you've got a good hill at mile 20. That's roughly two and a half, three miles long. And then there's a gradual downhill to the finish. Have I wrapped my head around the, the twin cities marathon course? Yeah, you have. All right. So definitely don't want to go out too fast. Now you've mentioned pace groups. Uh, what kind of pace groups are there available on, at, on race day?
1: Yeah. Uh, we have pace groups in both the marathon and 10 mile, um, in the marathon. They're from three hours to six hours. Uh, those three hour pacers are obviously having more folks who have, you know, PR goals, BQ goals. They're going to pace evenly, right? They don't bake time. They run smart. Um, that being said, check your own watch. Something I believe in on race day is you can never rely on anyone except yourself perfectly. So make sure they're hitting the pace right. But no, they don't try and bank, uh, effort. Um, they do try and run even effort throughout the race, which may mean some minor modulations on, you know, those hills. Um, and then all the way back to six hours where that's new for us this year. We added that six hour, uh, pacer. And the goal for that is we have a six hour course cutoff. And if you are someone who is struggling to stay with that, this is a pacer, but really is a cheerleader. This is for someone who is going to be cheering folks along, that sort of ultra-sweet mindset. We're all in this together, doing what they can to keep folks uh, on pace and progressing towards the finish in a supported fashion. Uh, those folks, again, you'll see some more walk running back there. You'll see a lot more folks carrying their own nutrition, whereas at the front end of that pack, sure, the pacer is running a time that is relatively easy for them. So they are able to motivate folks along, but it's really a lot more about turn ahead, even splits, making sure it's dialed in, versus as you get further back in the pack and all the way to that six hour pacer, which I'll even almost call an ultra style sweep. uh, You're really getting that sort of supportive cheerleading, you can do it, keeping you pushed along to the finish at a time where some folks may really need it.
0: So from three hours to six hours, what time increments are available for pace groups? Is it like every 15 minutes? How does that work? Uh,
1: that's a really good question. You're going to make me have to uh, go to our website to check this out. And I will say any questions anyone does have, our website is a great resource. Things really get finalized a lot this and next week and get put up there. But ultimately, our PACE team, um which is presented by our title sponsor, Medtronic, uh, has three hours, 310, 320, 330, 340, 350. We have found that a lot of folks in incremental times, you heard those 10-minute increments, uh, actually like a 355 PACE group to get under four. We then do have four hours, 4.05, and then it gets to uh, larger increments, 4.20, 4.35, 4.50, 5, 5.15, 5.30, 5.45, and six hours. Uh, But ultimately, uh, those ones right around four hours, we found those are some really big pace groups, people wanting to break that time barrier. uh, And then ultimately, uh, a little bit larger increments as you go further back uh, towards that six-hour sweep.
0: This is the first race I've ever heard that takes into consideration some of those more psychological concerns or or time goals that runners might have. You know, like you have 355 as a pace group, because that's the pace group for anyone wanting to break four hours. Because I know as a coach, I have many athletes who have had sub four marathon goals. And, and there's the, always this little bit of concern or hesitation on race day because they want to have a pacer they have that four hour pacer but at the same time that pacer may be a minute slow or even just 20 seconds slow and they're not going to reach their goal so i think it's just very considerate of you guys to have these these pace groups that are more in line with the goals that runners have on race day i think that's amazing
1: that's our hope uh we work with a great pace team um and uh, our team kind of is a lot of runners ourselves and uh if you look at a lot of major mid-major marathons, what you ultimately find is a huge bubble around that four-hour pacer. And like you said, with so many athletes have breaking four having breaking four as a goal. Uh, I think that 355 edition was before my time, but was obviously a really smart one that serves that exact same goal. And it might be that someone can go, hey, I might be trying to run 359. Um, but that four-hour pacer, yeah, I have that concern. Well, you don't have to run with the pace group, right? There's always the look for the 355 sign, look for the four hour sign, and you want to be in between them.
0: Yeah, that's totally true. Now, you did mention that you have a lot of support along the way on the course. Can you talk a little bit about fueling options that are available on the course and and what you guys have um, for runners, both fluids and and maybe some actual uh, calorie options as well?
1: Yep, for sure. So on course, we have uh, 14 fluid stations, uh, all with water. And also with, and I'm going to make sure I get the flavor right. Uh, this is one where I did take my notes. Uh, it is confirmed as Lemon Lime Noon Endurance uh, this year. Uh, that's a flavor that has proven popular across other marathons as Noon has introduced that endurance line. Beyond that, uh, again, those are slightly less frequent, about every two miles early on, then every mile and a half, then every mile towards the back of the course for 14 total of those stops. Beyond that, we do have a gel stop. Um, it's actually brought to you by Luther Auto. I'm going to like sidebar into the conversation we had previously a little bit, Jason. Something a lot of folks may not know is, Hey, why don't events have all kinds of nutrition along the course? Even relatively major marathons in many cases are actually buying their on-course nutrition. So we buy our on-course nutrition. We think it's great nut- nutrition. Um, it's goo triberry, which is caffeinated and goo raspberry lemonade. Uh, but we have a local auto stop. Uh, auto shop, Luther Auto, that actually uh, spark- sponsors that purchase, not sponsored by you, um, to make sure that, you know, they're an auto shop, they want to make sure we're all appropriately fueled. Uh, so that's between mile 17 and 18, right before that uh, 30k um, cheer zone. And then beyond that, again, we have certain other partners like PNC, uh, who have that pickle juice, nothing new on race day. But if you're worried about cramping just after halfway, uh, there's some salt there from PNC and their dancing pickle. And then really beyond that, uh, the support that we believe in along course. Yep, there's medical periodically on course. Yep, there are portalettes. Uh, never enough for runners. We know that. But man, do we have them in a lot of spots for you. Uh, but beyond that, we really believe like the uniqueness to our support is that cheering along the way. And one thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention is that cheering is all part of uh, what last year we named uh, the Diane and Alan Page Community Cheer Challenge, um, NFL Hall of Famer um, and Minnesota State Supreme Court Justice. One heck of a life there, just saying those two things about a person, right? Um, Alan Page uh, ultimately uh, got into running actually during his career, got in trouble with his coach at the time for running the Twin Cities Marathon actually during the NFL season at one point. Um, but once he was no longer running the marathon, he got invited out onto the course to go to a cheer party one year. So he and his wife, Diane, were going to go out there and he asked, well, what do we need to bring? And uh, Diane always brought baked goods almost everywhere they went. So she brought baked goods and they told him to bring a noisemaker. And um, he's like, well, I don't really play the sousaphone, but I have a sousaphone. So between mile two and mile three, uh, for the last several decades, uh, one of the most famous and accomplished Minnesotans, um, Alan Page and his wife, Diane, uh, have been out there cheering for runners uh, on his sousaphone. A couple of years ago, uh, Diane died and Alan is still out there cheering every year and we kind of reached out to him and said, hey, we would love to, you know, honor what you're doing, uh, have our cheer challenge be named after you. And he said, yeah, let's name it after me and my wife because we were a team. Uh, so Diane and Alan Page Community Cheer Challenge. Uh, so, yeah, you got uh, Justice Page out there between mile two and three on a SUSE phone. Uh, but I believe this year I just confirmed the number uh, 47 Diane and Alan Page Community Cheer Challenge groups along the course. Uh, we're talking neighborhood associations, we're talking bands, we're talking those nonprofits in the Mission Mile, Um, and ultimately runners and spectators. uh, Alan Page is someone who's had such a large positive impact on our state. Um, uh, The runners and spectators are able to uh, vote uh, after the event and spectators, there are QR codes out there during event day for their favorite cheer zone. And if they're a nonprofit, they'll receive a donation and if they aren't a nonprofit, they're able to name the nonprofit of their choice uh, for the top cheer zones. So uh, that community support, those 300,000 spectators out there beyond the nuts and bolts of, hey, here's how we support you to the finish line with nutrition, hydration, medical, and portalettes. Uh, also, that community support is definitely something you feel uh, at our marathon.
0: Wow. It just sounds like a party out there in the course. I mean, thank you for inviting me to run it, but it, it sounds like I'd, I might have a better time, you know, just partying on the side of the course at all these cheer zones. <laughs> Drink the running cheer zone, Jason. Let's make it happen one of these years. <laughs> yeah, this sounds amazing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, something that, that I think about a lot because I'm a huge running nerd, and that is the actual surface of the marathon course. Of course, it's on the road, so you're going to be running on asphalt, is it 100% asphalt? Is there any concrete? Is this freshly, you know, uh, paved roads, or we gonna have to be dealing with some potholes? I know when when I ran the Boston Marathon, one thing they don't tell you is that you are literally running through like 12 different towns, and you're not all in Boston for the entire race. And a lot of those towns don't really take care of their roads. And so, one thing I tell my Boston Marathon runners is just be aware that there are potholes, there are cracks in the road, uh, and and you really need to be aware of that so you don't turn an ankle or just, you know, kind of mess up your pacing rhythm as you're out there on the course. Uh, probably because I'm a track athlete by trade from, you know, a former life of mine. So I really like to think, you know, what's the surface like? Is that gonna contribute to a fast race for me? Uh, is there anything you can tell us about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um... We are 100% paved, 100% asphalt. Uh, an interesting thing. I'm going to brag on the Twin Cities a little bit here as well. Uh, you will notice different colors of the roadway while you're running, uh, primarily on the Minneapolis side. Uh, when you are on, you know, gray or you know, black road, that is city road. Uh, but when the road turns red, uh, that means you are on Minneapolis Parks and Recreation Board roads. Uh, Minneapolis is really interesting from when the city was founded. Uh, there's a city council, but there's a separate parks board that's actually a separate elected board, uh, levies their own taxes to support themselves. And the parks in this city, if you look at Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, the only city that when people rank municipal parks ever ranks higher than either of those two uh, is Washington, D.C., which is in its entirety basically a national park. Uh, so we're really proud of our parks and a large stretch of the race in Minneapolis is on those red parkway roads. Uh, we are at the end of the construction season. Uh, in Minnesota, there are two seasons: winter and construction. Um, and we are at the end of that construction season. You come out of winter, and yep, the roads are really rough. They spend all summer trying to get them into good shape, and then ultimately, uh, we're there at the fall. Winter starts, you know, not too long after our marathon because we are uh, in Minnesota, uh, even though we're in early October, uh, and then those roads uh, get dinged up again. I will say we're really excited. It's actually this week that uh, our core staff rides along with city public works and identifies any major problem areas and ultimately the city makes a really good effort uh to fill those potholes for us and we also already know that famous stretch along Summit Ave on St Paul towards the finish there is a regrading prop, uh, process going on right now they're such great partners when they do things like the regrading or bridge construction when There are only so many ways to get across the river. Uh, The marathon's always front of mind for the city for let's making sure that we do that. So they actually timed this regrading project on Summit Ave to intentionally be done in advance of the marathon. So some stretches of summit will have really nice roads. I do want to acknowledge that before that stretch of summit, uh, there is one area once you cross that bridge, uh, still Minneapolis, uh, and then right when you cross into St. Paul uh, that we flag every year and famously is rough just near the river tough spot. So uh, right before those hills, right when we're getting you the support, uh, right after you cross uh, the Franklin Bridge, um, right when you're getting towards that mission mile, uh, there is one spot that we don't believe we will get solid repaving, just about mile 20 this year. Uh, but that drive with the city usually gets us into pretty good shape. Uh, that being said, be on the lookout. Uh, again, our team goes out there, combs what they can in advance, flags it in advance, and then starting this week actually gets what they can uh, filled in advance. But, you know, Major city public works, uh, a lot of public works that need to be done as much as they prioritize the marathon, uh, be on the lookout for it. And again, know that when you're on red roads, uh, you're running on roads that are maintained by the park board of one of the top three park cities uh, in the entire United States.
0: Wow, I, I didn't know that there were some roads that were different colored than other roads, and that probably just lends itself to the marathon just being a very beautiful, unique experience running through, you know, these parks with all these lakes. and then some of the roads are red. That just seems just really interesting to me. Um, so when you cross the finish line, can you paint us a scene of the finish line? what what that is like? I know many marathons are, I uh, just have very different scenes, you know I, with my experience running the New York City Marathon, you know you you've got to be prepared to walk a fair amount when you've crossed the finish line to go see your family. What is it like at the finish line of Twin Cities? Gotcha and I'm actually gonna
1: back it up to we consider our finish line to actually start with what we call the finish approach. Um, and so ultimately like when you enter the finish approach, uh, you've been running on summit, you've had that cheering for miles., uh, you've been riding that wave, you've been uh, Jason's on 238 pace, uh, at, cause he slept in because he stayed in Minneapolis in the morning. So he's having a great day. Uh,
0: appreciate the confidence. <laughs> yeah. And uh,
1: about that final K, uh, you really are starting to get, uh, a pretty steep downhill. Um, when you get to, uh, the steepest part of that Hill, there is a large cathedral uh, on the side streets there, uh, where the twin cities marathon, Minneapolis and St. Paul fire come together, hang a large American flag. There will also this year, new this year. Um, just before that flag, we are really excited to have uh, TC Pride partnering with us on a cheer zone. Uh, so they're going to be cheering you home. And then shortly after that, the final bend on the cur- uh, course, not a turn, uh, the flags of all nations, uh flags uh, from all countries, uh, lining the fence from all countries that are running the event this year. You're then using that downhill, uh, you're crossing a bridge, you see the state capital uh, behind our finish line. You're using that downhill finish and Jason, you're crossing the line in 238.59. Um, Once you get there, uh, something that we actually made a change on a couple years ago is there was a period of time where that long New York walk. Now, I don't know that anyone's quite a New Yorker, Chicago, right? They're dealing with 50,000 runners, sort of a different scale there, or 40,000 in the case of Chicago. Uh, But we did have a period of time where we had extended what we call uh, the finished controlled zone walk off where it's runners only. Um, where it actually headed out towards the state capitol, went up the street and you'd back to it. Uh, ultimately, we heard from some folks that that was more than they wanted. They wanted to reunite with their loved ones. So we have a no-fly zone that you continue through. First thing you got to get when you finish the marathon is your medal, of course. So then there's your medal. Uh, in that area, that finished no-fly zone, it's really functional runner stuff. Your medal, your water, your heat sheet, your post-race uh, nutrition, which we're a Minnesota race. And I didn't know when I moved here. Uh, but an organization that for a short period of time was not partnering with the Marathon, that then restarted partnering with the Marathon, is called Pearson's Nut Rolls. Uh, they are these peanut nut rolls. And in the staff meeting, when our partnerships team announced that they were repartnering with us, there was this, like, cheer and hands thrown up around. Because through the partnership, we get some of the leftovers in the office as well. So you'll get your Pearson's Nut Roll. Uh, something we're really excited about another organization that had partnered with us previously and is back to partnering with us this year is Kemp's Dairy. Uh, who will be providing chocolate milk uh, in that finished walk-off. And then there are the other things you expect, your salty snacks, Old Dutch is a chips company from here, Uh, your fruit, uh, your things like that. But all of those runner-specific things, uh, metal, water, heat sheet, uh, hydration, you know, uh, including noon and those snacks, uh, all of those are in about a 200-meter stretch. Uh, That's our uh, finished controlled zone walk-off. Once you exit there, Here's something, and I'm curious about, uh, I'm going to keep asking you questions, Jason. Sorry that I keep doing that. Um, when you exit in like, uh, I think you've run New York. I think I heard another podcast where you mentioned having run Philly before. Uh, wherever you exit, um, whether it's that longer walk-off or whether it's that shorter walk-off, uh, what has it been like for you when you exit the fencing and enter to where the public is ra- uh, allowed when you've run those major or mid major marathons? Is it like a nice calm scene or does it feel like a scrum?
0: Yeah, it's not calm at all. It's usually a, a slightly stressful experience, or I, I may actually just be too tired to be stressed out. I'm more just overwhelmed and defeated at this point of the day. So I'm just looking around wondering where I should go. Do I know anybody here or are my people around nearby? And and if I don't see them there, I don't really know what to do because my brain probably isn't working very well at this point. And there's just a lot of meandering and wandering around aimlessly.
1: Great. So that is right if you don't make a plan. So what I advise everyone is make a plan to reunite with your loved ones and don't make that plan be reunite with me right at that control zone walk off exit. Uh, That's where the scrum is. That's where you can't find folks. Uh, Gear check is off to your right, about 100 meters. And right near gear check are some alphabetical signs. And uh, the thing I always recommend is that's the family reunion area. Plan on meeting your family there. They may have seen you on course. They may have seen you right at the finish. But they don't need to see you right when you're walking out into that scrum. It'll be so much easier to find you. If you go to that gear check area, get your bag, and then go to that family reunion area where there's alphabetical signs, Pick any letter. I'd say generally pick the letter of your last name and just plan on meeting your family there after you finish. If your family doesn't see you at the finish, they can follow you on our event app and make sure they know that you have finished. And then that way they'll know, okay, great. I might not have seen them on that downhill, might not have seen them at that final, they were hanging out at the TC Pride cheer zone or at the Flags of All Nations or whatever else. I missed them somehow. Uh, but I'm going to meet Jason in that family reunion area. We're going to walk down there now and get him there rather than right at the scrum. Beyond that, one of the big features we have is there is actually an act of the Minnesota state legislature uh, that allows us to be the one day of the year uh, that sells beer um, on the state capitol grounds for Minnesota. So we have uh, Summit Brewing uh, as a partner, of free beer for every finisher for those who like to celebrate without alcohol. They also have a great non-alcoholic that they've rolled out Uh, But you can go ahead as a runner, if you're someone who likes to celebrate uh, the Summit Brewing Beer Garden, there on the state capitol grounds um, uh, getting your beer. And then those who cheered for you, uh, if you appreciated their cheering, you can buy them a beer as well. And again, we are the actually two days of the year. It's also true for our Saturday events uh, that we are allowed to have that beer garden and do alcohol sales um, on the state capitol grounds
0: peanut rolls, beer, you salty chips. I mean, my goodness, I'm going to have to run this race just for the, uh, the post-race snacks. This sounds amazing. That's the hope is, look, we supported you all the way to
1: the finish, uh, <laughs> but we're not going to stop supporting you at the finish. Recovery is important. We also have food trucks there with food for purchase. Uh, but our goal is that, yeah, we're providing you that, you know, uh, famous Midwestern hospitality uh, all the way through. And that doesn't just stop at the line.
0: Yeah, I am someone who does like a beer, you know, maybe an hour or two after a marathon. It's just something about it. Just it makes it taste five times better. Um, But you got to be careful. I I limit myself to one or two or else you're (laughs) you're definitely gonna be feeling those beers. Absolutely. Eli, this has been really informative for me as I try to wrap my head around the entire Twin Cities Marathon experience. Uh, Is there anything I missed that you'd like to communicate to our listeners that will help them prepare for the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon. Um, you know, I'm thinking maybe specifically, is there anything maybe that you don't allow on course that maybe some other marathons might allow on course? Any interesting, different, unique things that, that you'd like to add that we maybe didn't cover?
1: Um, I do think safety is important. And one, a lot of that ties to uh, you can never rely on anyone else to take care of everything for you. So have your own plan. For your own fueling nutrition hydration we talked about what was out there but if you're someone who Ooh, that's not something i've trained with or something i've tried and don't like definitely bring your own right be ready to be uh supported and self-sufficient in that way uh beyond that from a safety standpoint um we of course allow folks to run with headphones that was a silly fight a lot of races got into about 10 to 20 years ago and we know lots of people like to run with music but ultimately we do ask that you maintain situational awareness uh, one of the ways we know you can do that is run with your music, but consider one in and one out is something that I think makes a lot of a difference. So if there is a situation, you can hear uh, lead bikes from uh, the organization coming by or an emergency vehicle or whatever it may need to be. Um, that's something that we advise. If you're someone who runs with your own nutrition and hydration, hydration packs are allowed. Um, but we don't allow any uh, large costumes that go expand beyond the body. where a big race. And ultimately, that's something that might impact someone else's race. And we're trying to be Midwest nice there. Uh, beyond that, something that I think is really at our core is you've heard about that support. And we believe in that support being for all runners, um, you know, from those back of the pack six hour runners who we added that again, I'm going to call it Pacer slash sweep for this year and make sure that our fluid stations and our cheering and all those uh, organizations, those six hour folks uh, get to vote just like the folks who are up there at three hours. Uh, So ultimately, uh, supporting them is just as important as supporting the front of the pack to us, but also the very front of the pack. Something I'm always excited about is the pro field at our event as well. And we have two pro races. We actually have uh, our local pros, Minnesota Distance Elite. Many of them, if they aren't racing the marathon or 10 mile, they're actually really engaged. We support them as an organization. Some of them come and uh, run a hard tempo or a little bit of a rust buster um at our 5k 10k on saturday and then they lead the kids races and some pre-race stretching and cheering it's really fun uh but on sunday the 10 mile and the marathon both have strong professional fields this year Uh in the 10 mile really excited about laura thweet um and two-time ncaa champ uh mercy chalangat i think she's actually maybe making her professional roads debut there may have been one before then uh zuher talbi in the men's field um he uh, finished fifth at the Boston Marathon and run running the 10 mile. Um, and then Reed Buchanan, who uh, if anyone uh, has good, uh, we have a great coffee scene in the Twin Cities. Uh, and if anyone has good coffee shop recommendations, Reed is always looking for them at whatever town he is racing in. So you should definitely be adding him on social media, uh, Twin Cities runners, and letting him know where he should be getting coffee. Beyond that, the marathon field, um, Opsy Biru um, on the women's side, a 230 runner. Uh, Brittany Charbonneau, who like, has a great story. Uh, she's the funny runner. Um, she, uh, does a little bit of stand up on the side. She's done some keynote addresses, but is also, you know, a pro woman with an OTQ or two under her belt. Uh, our four time champ, Dominic Ondoro is back in course record holder. And, uh, something I do want to flag, uh, 208.51, uh, for Dom. Uh, so anyone who thinks that hill is going to keep them from running near their best, uh, he does have a 208 PR at, in theory, a faster event. Um, so we do think, uh, you can run, uh, pretty fast at our event excited about John Dressel who hasn't put together a good marathon yet uh, or a marathon in line with where his shorter distance is him taking a crack at it with us and then locally uh, Minnesota distance elite pros uh, Tyler German um, and Brianna Siraki uh, who's local and also a recent mom which is definitely a trend you see Uh, we also have Kristen Freiberg Zates, um, who's now a master's athlete and also after uh, uh, motherhood is uh, following that trend of moms returning to elite distance running and uh, also in the master's field, actually a past champ Sergio Reyes uh, is now a master's runner and is ultimately back, uh, I think, to try an OTQ. And one thing we're really excited about about the marathon this year for the pros is uh, we've kind of upped our prize purse, including a $26,000 $26, because of the 26 uh, miles of the marathon uh, OTQ bonus pool, where uh, any athlete eligible to represent America in international competition uh, will be eligible to if they run an OTQ time at our event. So 218 or under for men, 237 or under for women, split that $26,000 bonus pool on top of any other prize money we have there as well. And if you are running the race and you're like, oh man, I won't get to see that because uh, I'm out there day of. Uh, again, we're really excited about that broadcast that we started last year uh, with our partners, Care 11, uh, available for streaming on Care 11 Plus uh, after the event. Uh, for anyone who wants to relive the magic of race day and also even if you don't run this year but you're out there cheering or you see the live stream or maybe you are running this year and you have the day you wanted to have jason's 238 or you don't have the day you wanted to have and you're doing your own parade and high-fiving kids on summit to the finish uh, registration for next year opens same day uh, so we're really looking forward to uh, capturing the magic of event day and those who feel inspired uh, by the marathon, getting the opportunity, uh, to register for next year for just a short window, uh, after this year's event, uh, to sign up for the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon in 2024.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And and I love the, the focus on so many high level masters runners and also women who are running the marathon after childbirth. I think that's so great that we're seeing this almost resurgence of of these two groups of runners, um, at, at high levels in the sport. Eli, this has been really fantastic. I, I think I learned more about this race today than, than I ever knew in the past. So thank you so much for your expertise and wisdom. I also just want to express some gratitude for your time today. I know that asking you to do a podcast about the race with just a couple of weeks to go was a tall ask. So I so appreciate that because I know directing a big race like this is a big investment of your time and energy. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, folks can go learn more about the marathon on the Medtronic Twin Cities marathon website. Uh, is there anywhere else that you'd like to point people before we wrap?
1: Uh, follow us, follow us on our socials. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on, uh, we're still going to call it Twitter, right? No one's calling it X. Uh, but I'm not sure ahead... it's
0: called anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, but go ahead and follow us on any of those, uh, maybe Twitter less than the others. Um, and uh, we look forward uh, to seeing you all out there um, on October 1st this year. And Jason, we look to seeing you out there in one of these upcoming years after all you've learned about our
0: event. Well, you keep saying 238. So you, you, you're like itching the part of my brain that, that is most responsive to running another marathon. So uh, you're definitely persuading me over here. <laughs>
1: That's part of the job, right? Thanks for having me on, Jason.
0: Thank you, Eli. I appreciate it. Bye. And there we have it, my friends. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to pay it forward, please rate and review the show. You can share it with your running friends or your club or invest in a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com. You can also support the show by supporting our sponsors, use their links and discount codes to get yourself discounted gear and tell these sponsors they should continue sponsoring this podcast. First, I challenge you to optimize your recovery and get the best sleep of your life with Lagoon maker of the most comfortable pillow I've ever used. And that's no hyperbole. I'm pleasantly surprised every night when I lie down because this pillow is just perfect for me. I took their sleep quiz to find the right pillow for not only my body size, but also my sleeping position. I did that at lagoonsleepcom sleep.com slash strength It's only two minutes and you're going to find out the type of pillow that will work best for you. I'm using their Fox pillow and absolutely loving it. A big reason why is because it's adjustable. The pillow comes with extra fill so you can adjust it to your unique needs. And last week I lied down in bed and I couldn't get comfortable. I soon realized that I wasn't using my Lagoon pillow. I made the switch and instantly fell asleep. It really does make a big difference. And we all know how important sleep is, right? It's the best recovery tool that you have at your disposal. It's better than compression, ice, heat, massage, or really anything else that you can think of, even something like nutrition. Sleep is when the magic happens and your sleep quality matters. I just finished reading Peter Atiyah's book, Outlive, The Science and Art of Longevity, and there's a whole section on sleep as a longevity tool and as a way to reduce the risk of neurodegenerative diseases. Suffice it to say, I'm taking sleep more seriously now, and Lagoon is making that a lot easier for me. U.S. Olympic Trials marathon qualifier, Caitlin Keen, also started using a Lagoon pillow and saw her deep sleep increase by 52 minutes. So, I'm excited to reap the rewards of better sleep, compounded night after night. You can get 15% off your pillow at lagoonsleep.com/strengthrunning and use code strengthrunning at checkout. You can take their 2-minute sleep quiz, find the right pillow for you, and then adjust it to perfection. Go to lagoonsleep.com/strengthrunning and use code strengthrunning to save 15% today. Next, Hook yourself up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Drink Element, is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. And this does not have to be your first purchase. You're going to get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what flavor you like best. Now, we're also running a big giveaway on my Instagram account at jasonfitz1. I partnered with them to give away 120 servings or four months if you have one every single day, plus a free hat and water bottle. I hope you win. Now, if you're not familiar, Element is my favorite way to hydrate. They make electrolytes for athletes and low carb folks with no sugar, artificial ingredients or colors. I'm now in the habit of giving away boxes of Element at group runs around Denver and Boulder, and everyone loves this stuff. It can also be a helpful way to prevent dehydration when you're running long or you're doing a particularly challenging workout. If you sometimes feel overly tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness after long runs or workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or deficiency. Boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat, with Element. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional baseball, hockey, and basketball teams are on regular subscriptions. Plus, I admittedly like to have some element if I've had a few adult beverages and I want my morning to go a little smoother. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You'll get your free sample pack gift with your purchase, and then you'll go on and getting your hydration optimized for this upcoming season. That's our show, my friends. Thank you for listening and your passion for this amazing sport. Let's connect on Instagram. You can enter our element giveaway and we can all keep progressing. We'll talk soon.